This episode is brought to you by Unlax Candles. Feeling like you need to unwind and relax? Well, Unlax is for you. Hand poured, labelled and packaged with love in small batches from Breezer in New South Wales. Find them online at www.unlaxcandles.com.au or Instagram at unlax underscore candles. Welcome to All Things Small Biz, a podcast to help you take the leap and run your own business from someone who has done it themselves and wants to share what they learnt with you. Hello and welcome to the All Things Small Biz podcast. My name is Sarah Hales, your host, and today we'll be talking about getting outside help. Like, when is it time to think about talking to a business coach? Uh, We'll use my coaching side of the business as part of our discussion today, and then we're going to welcome in today's amazing guest, Kamal Simon, who is a well-renowned business coach, and he is going to share some amazing tips and tricks with us. But before we get into that, as always, let's welcome Brian. How are you, Sarah? Well, how are you? I'm amazing as always. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's nice. It's been a busy day around here. I have not stopped. Today was our little boy Jack's first day of kindergarten and he's had a wonderful day, but I feel like in the morning I was not okay. Yeah, so uh, a lot of lot of uh, people at work had the morning to go and take their kids to prep and grade one and because mine was kindy, I thought I'd wait till he actually went to prep or grade one to have my day. Yeah, well, it seems like he's had the most wonderful day. He looks excited. <laughs> He's been telling me all about it. It's so cute. But I also am so sad because I cannot believe he's that age already. Yeah. Okay, now, Sarah, what was your win of the week? Well, I've had two. I'm going to give two wins of the week. And again, not my wins. They're students from my e-commerce course. So, one of my students, she launched her website two weeks ago and she hadn't promoted it, you know, she'd just sort of been putting it onto her social media, um, all of those sorts of things, but she hadn't actually put it out there to say, you can purchase from my website. She did that over the weekend and she has received her first two sales. So, I just whoop, whoop, couldn't be prouder. And then a second student has actually launched her website. So, um, she's gone ahead and done that today, which is again, so, so, so exciting. It's so much easier for people to be able to access their businesses from, you know, all over Australia and even all over the world. And it gives them access to so many more customers and clients. And I just feel so privileged and so grateful that they trust me to help them with something that is so personal to them. And number two win of the week that you said you had two? Well, that was two. Oh. That was... I was one student. Do you listen to me? Sorry. I was thinking about what my win of the week was. Oh, well, what's your win of the week, Brian? Well, the vision board. Oh, yes. The vision board. Do you love it? Look, it's something that I look at now. So, in the past, I've been somebody who does New Year's resolutions and oftentimes I put things in place that I know are in my plan for the year and that I'm most likely going to be able to achieve or at least I hope that I can. So, realistically, they're always more sort of just business goals whereas towards the end of the week last week um, and over the weekend, I actually did up a vision board. My best friend cautioned me a little and told me that I needed to ensure that my 
vision board was realistic. I don't know what the rules are around vision boards and maybe some of the listeners want to write in and tell me what their ideas are about the vision boards, but um, I just decided that I was going to go big. I was going to put everything on there that we desire as a couple, as a family, you know, business goals. I put big numbers. I put a beautiful big property and a gorgeous house and you know, there's a lot of stuff there's there. There's a lot of stuff there. There's a little bit less of mine, but a lot of yours. Oh, no. Everything that that's not fair to say because everything that I've put on there is for the betterment of our family as a whole. Yes, yes. What there, are there you talking a- about? Because there's a fishing boat on there, and I can tell you that that's got nothing to do with me. Look, it's a nice tinny, yeah. <laughs> I think you've fared well. Well, I might have. So, feedback, Brian. We've had some feedback this week that I haven't told you about. Sam, what? our editor, he sent me a message to say um, that he has noticed that you're picking me up on a few different things, keeping me on track with questions and also making sure that I'm facing the microphone. So, he thinks that you're um, hosting has improved. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of room to improve. Oh, come on. But, yeah, he has smoothed off the rough edges. Oh, okay. Good, good. Well, I thought you'd be pleased. He's had to use a big sander. (laughs) He has had to use a big sander for those rough edges. (laughs) All righty, let's kick into it. So, today's episode, uh, you'll be talking with Kamal. Yeah, we will. And he offers some really, really great advice. Really, really great advice. Yeah. All right. In a few short words, Yeah. explain what Kamal does. So, Kamal is a business coach who mm-hmm. mainly works with service-based businesses. Okay. Um, he has worked with people all around the world, but basically, uh, he offers a huge amount of experience, some systems and some processes to get your business operating at a much higher level. Yeah. But realistically, 80% of what Kamal works with his clients on is mindset. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I want to leave the juicy bits of the conversation with Kamal until we- um, you and him actually Until we bring in that interview. Uh, So- Why did you get into coaching? Well, um, right back when I started West of the Waves, I knew that if I could speak to someone who had been operating, you know, an e-commerce store for a number of years and was pretty experienced Mm. and they were able to share some of their knowledge with me, that I would get to my goal faster. However... When I went looking for that person, and I would have been happy to pay for their services, I knew that the cost involved with paying for those tips and tricks would be outweighed by the fact that I would be able to get my business up and running faster and get the income coming in faster and not have to make mistakes, be they costly in time or costly in money. Mm-hmm. But I I could not find that person and what I did experience and I just want to frame this is that some business owners are absolutely fantastic and will help you and will give you guidance but I do think that a lot of small business owners um, particularly e-commerce store owners get asked loads and loads and loads of questions all of the time And they're a little reluctant um, to give out their intellectual property and to tell people 
you know, too many tips and tricks because they've worked really hard to gather all of that information. That's right. So, way, way back then when I started West of the Waves, I promised myself that once I got uh, the knowledge, once I was skilled in this area, that I would offer that service. Nice. Very nice. And and that service, what is it that you offer? So, the e-commerce course that I do is a six-week course and what we go over are solving basically the three biggest problems with an e-commerce store and they are- The internet? <laughs> yeah, that could be. If you're living in rural Australia, that can be a massive problem. Okay, yeah. No, they are- a lack of definition around your brand. So, mm-hmm. sometimes people can be a little reluctant to like niche down, you know, to what they sell and who they sell it to for a fear that they might miss out on a sale. All right. But we can't be everything for everyone. The second problem that we cover off on is a fear or an, an overwhelm, I guess, in regards to tech, mm-hmm. like thinking that you don't have the skills to run your own website or to um, improve your SEO, so your search engine optimization. So, like a real sort of fear and overwhelm in that tech space. We flip that on its head and get people feel, feeling really confident in their ability to handle those things. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that we work on is a lack of traffic. So, I bang on about this one quite a bit, but if you have the most beautiful website in the world, it doesn't matter if you've got no traffic going there, because if no one's going there and seeing your beautiful product or your beautiful website, then no one can buy anything. That's right. Yeah. So, that's what we really work on. And I just work on it in a really structured and systemized way to empower people to get their businesses up and running or to improve um, their business, to get more traffic going to their website because more traffic equals more sales. And it's really important to me because- I think that when, you know, small business owners, women or men, when they have an idea and they want to get their business up and running, if somebody helps them to do that and Mm -hmm. they get their idea out there and they get going faster um, than they might have been able to on their own, if they then get more income into their family or they get more freedom or they get more flexibility or they get more time to spend with their family – It's a really small step, but it has a massive knock-on effect uh, and it can actually make the world a bit better place. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so, do you call yourself an SME? What's an SME? Oh, that is a subject matter expert. Well, I suppose, yeah, I probably could say that. I learned that today, SME. (laughs) I thought I'd just throw it in there. (laughs) Oh, you cracked me up. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. That's good. So, next to CEA, you can put SME as well. Okay, (laughs) well, I'll just let you know that that is probably one of my pet bloody hates about the mining industry is that everybody thinks you need to have an acronym for something and the this and the that and the SME and the this, that and the other. And I think it's all crap because it's just kind of like, and that's what I try and break down um, in the e-commerce course is that you might be looking online and, you know, someone's advertising themselves as an SEO specialist and they know all these fancy tricks to be able to, you know, better your search engine optimization. 
that is something that is within your capability. If somebody just, you know, helps you, guides you, holds your hand a little bit, tells you the tips and tricks, that is something that you can improve upon yourself without having to employ a specialist for thousands and thousands of dollars. And I, um, I just like taking the the scariness out of it and sharing what I've learned over the last however many years because, you know. Turning a windy learning curve, learning road into a straight path. Yeah, well, that's true. If I can save somebody a little bit of time um, instead of them making a mistake or a little bit of money instead of them making a mistake, then, you know, my job is done. So, do you think it's worth the money? Well, I do. Yeah, I definitely do. I always try and put myself in the, but you know, back in the shoes of you know Sarah, week one, year one, and think, how much value would I add to that person? And I know that if I could have had some of these tips and tricks up front at the start of my business, I would have saved myself a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. And you can never get time back. No, that is the one thing you can't get back. That's, uh, yesterday we were looking at the the sunset and yeah. Jack, Jack wouldn't come out. Yeah, he didn't want to come outside. He wanted to bring all of his toys with him. And you were saying the sun don't wait for no one. The sun don't wait. It will not wait for you. No. He got outside and saw it though, which was nice. It was a beautiful, beautiful sunset last night. And going yeah, back was. to the vision board, that's something that I put on the vision board is I, I love sunrise and sunset and I actually put it on the vision board that I want to see more sunrises and more sunsets and spend a little bit more time outside at those ends of the day. And I think that that's just because, you know, having had little kids over the last few years, at that time of day, you're busy doing dinner and getting everybody in the bath and, you know, it's just a point in the day where I really like to stop and generally I like to stop with my bare feet on the grass, stand outside, get a bit grounded. It's just a really nice couple of minutes of the day to just enjoy something. Yeah, it's a perfect time of day. Do you think I'm a weirdo when I say that? No, no, I like it too. Yeah, okay, I was good. thinking about another win, oh, okay. luck, lucky moment. Oh, what happened? Of the, of the week. Lucky moment, okay. Well, yesterday we were- Scootering. Yeah. Um, if people don't know what the word scootering is, it's uh, a family on scooters touring around the neighbourhood. Okay. And I like to laugh at things, especially when <laughs> other people have accidents. Yeah. And you got caught up on the edge of a gutter. Yeah. And nearly- I had a bit of a wobble. A wobble. And then I started laughing and then I got caught up in the same gutter and nearly cased it. <laughs> so- uh, Yeah. Karma. Karma, yeah, baby. Well, Karma. Uh, my uh, cat-like reflexes saved me. Oh, God. I feel like I recovered better from that almost stack than you did. So, yeah. I might be the one with the cat-like reflexes. Right. Well, that's been a good chat today, Sarah. Hopefully, people didn't get bored with my little stories at the end there. And now it's time for your chat with uh, Kamal. Yeah, perfect. This episode is brought to you by Unlax Candles. Feeling like you need to unwind and relax? Well, Unlax is for you. Hand poured, labelled and packaged with love in small batches from Breezer in New South Wales. Find them online at www.unlaxcandles.com.au or Instagram at unlax underscore candles.
I know I briefly introduced Kamal at the top of the podcast, but I wanted to tell you a little bit more about him. Kamal is a son. He's a father. He's a fourth generation business owner. He started his first business when he was 14 years old. He is sourced as a business coach in the USA, the UK, Hong Kong, Australia, just to name a few. And he's a regular keynote speaker and has been the MC of the Melbourne Business Awards many times. This is only just a tiny snapshot of Kamal, and I feel really privileged to have him on the podcast today. So, Kamal, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast. And can you maybe tell us a little bit about this business you started when you were 14? Oh, g'day, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, the 14. I was born and bred in Tamworth, and uh, I was at the Tamworth Country Music Festival, you know, 10 to 12 days in January, and I remember standing at a, a service station, I was at the counter, and it was about four or five days into the festival, and someone came in asking for a bag of ice. And the guy behind the counter said, we're all out, and you won't find any anywhere in town. And in my mind, I'm like, man, that is not going to happen next year. And so, uh, you know, I grew up in a family business. I literally came home from the hospital and was put on the boxes in the storeroom of the family supermarket. So seeking opportunity is something that's kind of in the DNA and so I remember thinking to myself, that's not going to happen next year. And at the end of the festival, I went to the only ice manufacturer in town. That's the cold ice that you put in drinks, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ice manufacturer in town. And I said to him, next year, I want to buy 1,200 bags of ice. I don't know where the number, it was arbitrary number. I want to have 1,200 bags of ice pre-ordered for next year, ready to go on day one. And he said, yep. And then I said, by the way, I don't have any money. So you're going to have to wait for me to sell the first batch and I'll give you all that money and then I'll keep doing that until, you know, we've paid for it all. He said, okay. And then I said, oh, but I don't have a freezer, so you also have to store it for me. So um, <laughs> I think that <laughs> not knowing how the world works actually worked a lot in my favour. And so the next year the, the festival rolled along and um, I was only 15, not quite 15, I was 14 and a half at the time, but um uh, obviously couldn't drive, so I borrowed my dad's ute. I paid some guy to drive it for me, and at 5 in the morning and 5 in the afternoon, we filled the back of the ute with bags of ice and went up and down the campsites just yelling out, ice man, ice man. We'd sell a load, and I'd come back, and I'd give all the money to the guy, and then we'd fill up again, and I'd kept giving him all the money until it was all paid for, and that was kind of the start of that. And And by the third or fourth year, I had three or four vehicles running around. They each had a trailer on the back. It was like a supermarket on wheels for all of the campsites. So oh uh, you know, I, was, I was seventeen or eighteen, running staff all over the all over the festival while my friends were you know drinking and swimming in the river. Oh my goodness, that is a story and a half. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So Tamworth is that? That's where you grew up. You were born there. Yeah, born and bred. The only um, we I actually grew up in a little town called Katingle, just outside of Tamworth, about a thousand people, and you know the only Lebanese family in town. And we had the family supermarket. It's like every cliche you could imagine. Stick me in that box, but. It was lovely growing up in a country town. Obviously, the small town had its issues. I've got my name, you know, Kamal is, is kind of stands out in a regional, rural New South Wales town. But uh, uh, as I look back on it, it's very, very fond memories. And I just love that I've come from there and I love to go home as often as I can as yeah. well. I absolutely love that area. And I feel like um, Tamworth, say, for example, because we're based in central Queensland, Tamworth is like a little city, whereas the to me, to me from the country towns that mm-hmm. I've grown up in, the services and whatever that they have now far outweigh what we have 
even still in regional Queensland. I just think it's such a gorgeous little place. And the festival brings so many people to the town. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundreds of thousands. It, it, it brings millions It's really the on the yeah. map. Yeah, it's amazing. So I guess my question, my next question is, what made you want to start the business? It, what a really good question. I kind of didn't have a choice. You know, people talk about their calling and their purpose and I've, I've, I went to uni after school and I trained as a PE teacher and I worked for a few years in outdoor ed. I went over to Canada and did some work over there as well. And I came back here and I was working at sport and rec centers in outdoor ed and I really loved the teaching and I really loved um, working with the kids. But even even while I was doing that, there was just this fire burning inside. And so I'd always have side businesses going, even when I was working this job because I felt like I got the degree, I probably should be working in that space. I don't ever know a time when I haven't been operating a business. So it's not like what made me, it's it's I don't know that I could ever switch it off. It's hardwired in my DNA. Now, I talk about being a fourth-generation business owner, but, you know, I don't know if you know the descendants of the the Lebanese people are descendants of the Phoenicians who were the original business owners, the original traders 8,000 years ago. They had the boats and and they were the original businessmen. And so it's kind of there's this ancestral burning inside of me. I don't know that I had a choice, to be honest with you. And you really, really are so passionate about it. It just comes through in everything that you do. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> my, gorgeous, my gorgeous girlfriend, Claire, uh, knows this firsthand. We'll go and sit down at a cafe. And by the time we've gone from the front door to sitting down, I've clocked the number of tables, approximate number of covers, how many staff they're running, and worked out profit margins and inefficiencies. It's like a it's like a scene out of Rain Man. It's just can't switch it off, but love it at the same time. You know, none of it feels like none of it feels like work, Sarah. No, that's exactly right. And that, you know, people say that all the time, and it sounds like such a cliche. But when you find something that you love, it doesn't feel like work. Even between no. my husband and I, sometimes, you know, on the weekend because he's a he's a um, foreman, he's a diesel fitter, works in a workshop here in town for a big company, and when he's on days off, he kind of wants to be on days off, whereas I'm more than happy to put time and energy into my business. And sometimes he doesn't really understand that because he's like, but it's Saturday, let's, you know, and I'm like, I need to use the tiny little windows that I have, but I actually find it really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. When you're really called towards it. It's important to be able to manage your own energy though as well, because, you know, the always just loving it and being passionate about it means that if I don't keep it in check, I can go into a bit of a cave which means I can ignore everybody else in my life. So being really cognizant of what are the other important factors of the life and making sure that the time in the relationship is really present and centered and the time with my kids is there's no phones and we've got a room in our home called the Zen Den, literally no phones or tech goes in there. It's a place for contemplation, reading, meditation. It's a little quiet zone. Um, But then actually consciously choosing to be present with the kids and just being there with them, nothing else, no excuse me or phone rings. And if the phone rings and I'm with them, it's they know their number one priority. I don't even look at it as it's going off. And so that's something that I've learned through many mistakes and and actually broken relationships in the past, Sarah, um, to be totally transparent and honest about it. But I've realized that it, it can have a shadow side. So the passion and the drive, I don't need days off. I don't need to go on holidays. It doesn't interest sitting on the beach sipping mojitos is like the most boring thing in the world. Why would anyone want to do that? I don't get it. 
Um, and so I can go and go and go, uh, but then there's a realization that actually the other rewards of life need need some conscious focus as well. And that just means that I get to have this beautiful business that I really love and I'm passionate about that doesn't feel like work. And I get to have these beautiful relationships that where we feed each other and, and we learn and grow together. So, you know, we've really, it's taken a lot of years and a lot of stuff ups, but we've found a groove, Sarah. We've found a groove. Yeah, that's so lovely. I love that idea. We um, are really aware of phones around the kids, but it's also what you're teaching them, you know, monkey see, monkey do. So, having that time and that space and making them the number one priority, it's teaching them that that's how you behave. It's so beautiful. Oh, we all say to our kids, you're the most important person in my life. But then when they're telling you a story and the phone rings and you leave their story to look at your phone, you're actually telling them the phone is more important than you right now. And and I'm just so very, very aware of it. So our actions are very powerful. And that's, you know, from the coaching space, the things that I will teach you about how to grow a business, the mechanics of that, that's 20% of the business. That's the easiest part. People come on board to try and get the tools to grow their business, but that's actually the simple part. The most challenging part and where I put most of my focus is on helping people balance their energy, their mindset and their energy and making sure that they've got the capacity in all their areas of their life because if their relationship starts to strain, then you can't fuel a business. So mm. what happens in one area of our life replicates in all others. So actually 80% of the work we do is is mindset work and, and managing energy. Yeah, amazing. So just before we leave the family, what do you think you learnt from your forebears, you know, your father, your grandfather, the generations before you? Oh, man, there's so many great lessons, so many great lessons. I hated it at the time, but what a privilege now looking back that, you know, as a, as a seven or eight-year-old, I'd, I'd be – in the aisle working out what's a 30% markup on a 440 gram tin of, of tomatoes, you know. So so learning all of that and I was I remember, you know, standing my grandfather in the front of the shop and I'd be standing there when the sales reps would come through and I'd hear him negotiating and working out prices. And there's a few things, there's a few things that really stand out. One of those in from a sales and negotiation point of view, I remember him negotiating with a with a salesman one day. I can't remember what this guy was selling, you know, one of those trucks with everything. And after he finished, I said, you do, it's the, the name for grandfather. I said, oh, you could have got that cheaper. And he stopped and he looked me dead in the eye and he said, you always leave something in it for the other person. And yeah. gee, that stuck with me in the negotiation. Whether I think I'm going to see them again or never again, it makes no difference. I'm going to negotiate and it's fun. It's a game for me, but I'm never going to screw someone to the point just for me to save a dollar. I play the game and um, that's something that's always stayed with me, always leave something in it for the other people. And the other thing was around being paid to do a job. And this was such a great, such a great lesson for me. I remember asking once that I'm working every day after school, I come in the shop and work and I should be paid and I should get an hourly rate. And I was right, you know, and I was very righteous about it. And back in the day, it there was a, a stick broken off the off the grapevine out the back going, tell me you want that again. You know, that's not how we work. We And, and from a very early age where I wanted to have a regular income for my job, I learned that you don't work an hour and get paid a dollar. That is mm. not the pathway to find. We we work, and if we have to work a hundred hours before we get paid, that's okay. But the flip yep. side of that is, look at the lifestyle that we get to enjoy, and we actually have. So I'm not looking for a dollar for every minute that I, or I'm not looking for fifty bucks an hour or a hundred bucks an hour. What I'm looking for is opportunity and creating and generating. And the more I can generate and contribute, 
the more the reward comes. So instead of getting $100 an hour, when you actually look back at it, kind of looks like $1,000 an hour. But the yeah. mindset has to switch from work a, work an hour around a dollar to work for the sake of producing. And they're, yeah. they're three really, really clear lessons. Yeah, amazing. So we'll move over to uh, businesses, so more into the coaching space of thing. But before we do, what are some of the businesses that you've owned? Because you've had food, ice, obviously the first one, um, <laughs> yep, yep. training. Yeah, so uh, I left the teaching game and went and bought a little kind of dying takeaway food. It was on its way out and I got it very, very cheap. But it was this place that was selling, you know, deep fried dim sims and and two dollar chips and things like that right in the middle of a white collar area of a town called armadale in new south wales and and it was in in between all the accountants and the banks and the had school kids coming in pulling change out of their pocket and uh no one in a suit wants to stand next to a school kid ordering a dim sim uh and so it came up very cheap i just thought actually i literally quit my job i was running um i was the program director out of lake burundong near dubbo i quit my job and then moved a thousand kilometers and bought a new shop and all of that within two and a half weeks. Oh my goodness. But it was it was just I got into that, closed the doors for about a day and a half or nearly two days, and just I got rid of 90% of the menu and changed it around and, and you know went to all the suppliers and went to premium supplies and put the prices all up and just gave it a and so that was a really rapid turnaround and I it tripled the revenue in that business within probably a month and a half. And then that extended into other arms. And so I started a catering arm off that. And then there was a franchise that we started off the back end of that as well. And so it kind of spread. And then it was time to sell. I'd grown it. The whole thing was a turnkey. From the minute the key goes in the door in the morning till the minute it comes out in the afternoon, everything was structured, systemized. The whole thing ran without the need for me to actually run it, right down to the script. The girls at the front on the back of the counter literally had the script of what they would say. White wholemeal, multigrain, butter, salt, pepper, I still remember it, still remember it. And actually to this day, and that was, you know, 20-something years ago, I still have people very regularly saying what happened to the upper crust, we wish you'd come back and do that. And so I think that, um, you know, there was a big lesson in that, that, and that was a real strength of mine in finding something that was kind of dying and defunct and, and build something from nothing essentially. And after I sold it, Sarah, I remember sitting at home one night and I had a $50 note in my pocket and I pulled it out and I thought, I wonder what I could do with this. And because I trained in PE teaching, so the next day I went out and I bought a pair of gloves and boxing gloves and mitts and I called myself a personal trainer. <laughs> and so that fitness business sold again about three years later and by the time it sold from $50 and a pair of gloves to when I sold the business, I had 21 um, trainers operating. It had a corporate training arm, a junior athlete development arm, uh, sports first aid arm, so I had all of the – and so oh uh, just, yeah, there's been a very, very wide range. And then, of course, the family's in supermarkets and the family's also in hardware stores and mum and dad have been in the catering game. And so my exposure to small businesses, uh, as I go, there's 21 direct relatives. This is cousins on both sides of the family. Of the 21 direct mm-hmm. relatives, we run 16 small businesses in different areas. So Amazing. It's there's so so many variables, so many variables, and so um, what a privilege that's been, and I've, I've I've been able to have touch points with pretty much all of them at some stage. That's so great. So how did you get into coaching? Did people start saying, "Hey, Kamal, can you help me with this?" Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's very easy joining the dots as you look back. Of course, we can't join them looking forward, but 
in the fitness business, the next logical step for me was, right, let's go and do life coaching and executive coaching. That will be the next arm of this business. Um, yeah. And so I went off and I studied life coaching, executive coaching, but I sold the business while I was studying that. So it never eventuated as an arm of the business. But being a PE teacher as well, I always had a passion. I loved the teaching and I've got a real sixth sense for, for businesses and what they need. And so, which has obviously developed over generations. And then when I sold the fitness business, which by the way is an unsellable business, how do you, how does a personal trainer sell a business? There's no goodwill in a business like that. And so mm. I had a group of mates and we used to sit around every Friday, we'd go for a pub lunch, all business owners, and we'd only talk about business and we'd help each other out. And I had a few mates asking me, how do you do that? And I hadn't even thought, I don't, like when I was 14, I didn't even think about how to do that business. I just do. And then because you jump into action, everything that you need to know lines up behind you, you know? And so they started asking how, and then as I, as I kind of pondered that, with using the teaching, because in teaching, especially in PE teaching, we want to teach someone to pass a rugby ball. Well, we don't just go now pass the ball. We break it down into its component parts. Here's how you grip it. Here's how your foot is. Here's how you turn your foot. Here's what your elbow does. And so we break a skill down into component parts. And so as I looked back over the things that I did in business, how do you do an ordering system for a takeaway business? Well, actually, I can break that down into component parts. And yeah. so I started looking at every element of the business. And so when someone would say, oh, can you help me with some marketing? I'm like, right, what are you doing? And they're only doing maybe radio ads in the local town. So I could break it down into its component parts. Here's why it's not working. And here are the things to do. And so the love of business just kind of meshed with the love of teaching and the mm. ability to take things that appear to be, you know, for, for the people going through it, it's a really big problem. But with what I've had the pleasure of and, and the privilege of being a part of my entire life, I can actually see it and it's like it's kind of like a scene from The Matrix, you know, how all the numbers and dots and everything, I don't see the problem as the person sees it. I actually can, can see the breakdown component parts and tend to know exactly where to press the button. And Sarah, I don't get it right every time, 100%. Mm. You know, there's a lot of stuff ups along the way. But honestly, what would take a business owner maybe a year to work out on their own, I can normally nail in a week or so. And that's kind of been the pattern. So um, the love of teaching and the love of business have just found their way together. And um, I've been doing this for about a decade now and just I wake up excited every morning. It's such a privilege. Yeah, definitely. I can always see the the passion and enthusiasm you have for it. But one of the things you said to me the other day when we um, were having a catch-up, I was saying that I was starting to feel just ever so slightly overwhelmed about what we have planned. And you said you need to forget about what the goal is and you need to fall in love with the journey and love mm. the journey that's going to get you there. And I think that kind of just flipped me because I do really love the journey, but I just took it into – I took it exactly as you said it and tried to just completely forget and take every little win that I'm getting along the way and really love it and enjoy it and then move on to the next one. Yeah, it's a real, I have a real problem with goal setting. I know, I know this is well and truly against the norm and there's all the studies on setting up your smart goals as specific, they're measurable and blah, blah, blah. You know, I bought into that for years and in a lot of respects, the way I used to operate my business was from a do perspective, not a try and get perspective. And then the second, I actually, in studying life coaching, I learned all about goals and how you set them. And so I changed and I started setting goals and nothing would eventually, I couldn't hit any of them. And so I really just kind of tapped into why is that happening and why do people fail to reach their goals? And 
fundamentally there's a there's a human condition in which if we're not growing we're dying and we all know this unconsciously and so what a goal is is it's actually the start of the death period because i want to have a million dollars we have a million dollars what then if you don't have something mm. beyond that, then you, you, you're not growing anymore, so you die. And so this is why people self-sabotage their goals. It's completely unconscious. And it triggered because one day I was listening to an interview with one of the um, Olympic athletes who'd won gold, and they said something, and it really triggered an understanding in me. And I'll get to what they said in just a second, but what I came to realize was people who have a goal of being in the Olympics – usually won't get there. They might make the Commonwealth Games. The people who say, I'm going to stand on the podium or I'm going to be in an Olympic final, they're the ones that make it to the Olympics but maybe don't make the final. The people who say, I'm going to get to the Olympics and stand on the podium, they'll make the final but they usually don't make it to the podium. The -hmm. people that say, I'm going to win Olympic gold, they might win bronze or silver. But there was an interview with a gold medalist and they just won. It was a swimming gold. I can't remember who the person was. And it's like, oh, my God, it's a gold medal. This is amazing. How are you going to celebrate? And just plain as day, this guy had said, I wish I could remember his name. This guy had said, oh, well, it's, um, you know, it's really great and we'll, we'll have a couple of drinks tonight, but we've got Worlds coming up uh, in the next few weeks, so we're really just focusing in on that. And something really struck me, Sarah, about goal setting. That person that wins gold at the Olympics, in their mind, they're going to be the greatest swimmer that ever was. They're going to be the greatest mm. in the world. Yeah. You know, Usain Bolt doesn't have a goal to be a gold medal Olympic. He's the greatest runner that ever lived. And so a gold medal is just a logical stepping stone on the way. And so what it is, I want to be not going to have a gold medal. I'm going to be the greatest in the world. And that's the trigger. That's the key here. When we mm-hmm. set a goal, if I we, we say if I have a million dollars, then I can do all of these cool things and then I'll be happy, then I'll be successful. So that presupposes that if I don't have a million dollars in the bank, then I can't be happy because I'm yes. saying to myself that's my goal. So we've got to flip that around. We've got to have our way of being. Who I am is happiness and success. Who yeah. I am is action taker. That's my way of being. You know, And I run a training at the end of every year about setting ourselves up. It's called the mapped out year. And in the, in the mapped out year training, it's not about what am I going to achieve this year. It's about who am I going to become this year. And the achievements happen as a result of who you are, not what you want. Very, very good. I need to take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about this, so I do tend to go on a bit of a ramble when you ask these questions. Stories oh, no, to tell. I love it. I love it. I, um, I've heard you say that before, but I feel like every time you listen to it or you know, every time we have this conversation, I take a little bit more out of it. And it, it really is. It's It's... Well, yeah. realistically, what does it matter if you've got $50 million in the bank if you're not happy? So you need to be happy first or you need to be the things before those other things come into place. Listen, people people build billion-dollar businesses from a space of fear and lack and scarcity. Oh, my God, oh, my God, and I've got to save every cent and if I'm not driving dollars all the time. And you can build a billion-dollar business from a space of fear or you can be perfectly happy with no money in the bank. And the flip side of that is you can build a a multi-million dollar business or a a billion dollar business coming from a space of love and happiness as well. So it's not that if you're not being happy, you can't build a business. I know we're having a business conversation here. You can build a very financially successful business coming from a place of misery. The point here is what's the point? 
what's yeah. the point of doing that? So saying that you actually can have it all, you can have the business that you want to build, the million-dollar business, uh, coming from a space of just love and passion and, and it comes from the journey. It's not about what's in the bank. It's about growth, continual growth. Yeah, so good. Mm. So, Kamal, do you think everyone needs a coach? No, nobody needs a coach. That's a little bit redundant, isn't it, given that that's my living and how I put food on the table? <laughs> Here's the thing, Sarah. You've got to come with batteries included, as in you've got to be prepared to do the work. I only work with people who have an attitude of gratitude and that when you're getting the results, I know there are people in your world who could do with this training, so I ask you to introduce us so we can build this from the inside out. There are two other questions that I'm asking myself the whole time that I don't ask outwardly. I'm going to share one of those with you. The other mm -hmm. one is it's a very personal one and it has to do with how I feel about that person in regards to essentially would I open my doors up and bring them in for a family meal, you know? So there's a specific question I ask around that. But the other one to do with your should everyone get a coach, I actually only want to work with people who are smart enough to do this on their own. Yes. But they're also smart enough to know that if they can tap into the skills and experience of someone that's been there before them, they can get from point A to point B in much less time. They can get what would take them a year, they can get there in a, in a month, so to speak, not just financially, but in their own personal growth. So people who are smart enough to do it on their own are also smart enough to go, right, all we're doing in coaching, all I'm really doing, I'm not teaching you what to do as much as I'm compressing your trial and error time. Mm -hmm. Sarah, you're in a program with me, you'll work it out. And if you weren't coaching with me, you'll work it out. But what mm -hmm. I can do, having seen, like it's you've, you've got a piece of the puzzle in front of you, I've got the whole box with the picture on it. And so all I'm doing is helping you compress your trial and error time. If I don't feel that someone is capable of doing it on their own without me, I will never, ever engage and have them do it with me because yes. they, they will never do it with me either. So it's people have to be at a particular point in their journey where they have their own capability, even if it's a startup business. So in my own mind, I'm going, if I said no to them, would they do this anyway? The answer must be yes. That's yeah. when I'll invite people to come and join the program. And then we work on collapsing your trial and error time. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that that's what I offer in the program that I run for e-commerce businesses is that when I was Sarah day one, week one, I thought to myself, I can work this out. But wouldn't it be nice if I could talk to Sarah year five and get some of those tips and tricks. And I, I, for the, you know, the type of business that I run with my product-based business, West of the Waves, I couldn't find that people, uh, the, mm. sorry, that person. And I, I often came across people who might share like a tiny little snippet with you, but I often came across people who wouldn't share anything with you because somehow if they shared something with you and you became successful or you were more successful than them, then that was somehow taking away from their success. And I promised myself then, day one, week one, I will offer this for people. When I get the know-how, I will share it with them because I'm more successful if I help other people to be successful. Yeah. If you're successful, that means I can't be successful. Like there's a bucket of successful chips and yeah. once they're all given out, they're all given out. It's, it's, exactly. And that's so common. But you've cottoned onto something really important. I'm only successful in my business, Sarah, 
when you're successful. Mm-hmm. If imagine I had a business coaching business, if you want to ask one question of a business coach to work out if they're um, if they've got any substance, just ask them how long they've been a full time coach. The turnaround is less than eighteen months. Yeah, you know. So what I've worked out, and the thing that's allowed me to do this for a decade, is that my business only works. I can only put food on the table for my children if the people I'm working with are successful. I have to make sure and I have to know that success breeds success. I only win this game when you win this game. And if you lose, I lose. And that's literally how it works. And so your attitude towards that is, oh, my God, you know, what you experienced, if I teach her and she's more successful than me, that means, no. I, you know, if you take all of your skills and experience and then you come with me and take all of my years and skills and experience, you must do better than me. Mm-hmm. You must. I must be a launching pad for you because you've got everything I've got and you've got your own stuff. Yeah. And so if I'm working with you and I see anything but you have the potential to be 10 times bigger because you can get the best of what I have and the stuff that what you have and when you learn to tap into that, that's really the key to success. That's what keeps this alive within me. It's what keeps me driven as well. And for you, when you've got you know, you're literally going to have clients come on and sell similar clothes to you and open up, inverted commas, in competition to you. Mm-hmm. But they're not in competition to you. No. They're not. There's they can so never much be love because to go they're around. not me. They're not. Of course not. Of course not. And it's really, it's really refreshing to hear you say that because there's a lot of people that I have to have conversations with and I have to stand over them with a stick and whack them over the head with a stick until they get the concept. But you naturally get it. Mm. The people that you're going to work with, all you're going to do is collapse their trial. The stuff that – how many mistakes did you make in year one? Oh, so many. Give me a number. Oh, I, I wouldn't even know. A hundred. A hundred mistakes in year one. So if someone can come to you and pay for your services and only make 90 mistakes instead of a hundred mistakes, that puts them years ahead of the game. Oh, exactly. You know, imagine if they can – imagine if you can cut out 95% of the mistakes. I'm probably underestimating that too. A <laughs> hundred a week, I would suggest. <laughs> Well, um, I was probably and, and only so, talking about the big ones. And so I would want for your clients that when they grow their e-commerce business, I would I would fully expect that they apply with a level of intelligence that would allow them to grow their business bigger than west of the waves because yeah. they get all of the best of Sarah and they get the stuff that they know. And so as a coach, I feel a responsibility to be a launching pad for yeah. other people. And I just I celebrate people's successes yes. so much. And I would hope the same for you. And I'd hope your clients just absolutely, absolutely kill it. Because you're yeah. going to cut out so many of the mistakes. They are amazing. So I know that what we've talked about today has been amazing and you've given us so many good tips and tricks. But if you could give us just one more key piece of advice that someone could take away if they were starting a small business, what would that be? Oh, yeah, the startup. Let's have a ducks lining up conversation, Sarah. Okay. When I had the fitness business, uh, there was a little area that we'd work and it was between the skate park and the creek. And I had this shuttle run happening one day. So you run out to a marker, run back, run out to the next marker, run back. And each time we got closer and closer to this creek. And there was a family of ducks, mother and daddy duck and little ducklings, and they're all waddling around and pecking at the grass and doing whatever ducks do. And I noticed every time we went out and got a little bit closer, what I presume to be the daddy duck, I think it's a drake, I don't know, the daddy duck would stand up <laughs> and pay attention. And then we'd run back and he'd relax. And then we'd come back and we'd get a bit closer and he'd stand a bit more at attention. And then we got to a point 
where we got a bit too close for his comfort and he's, he's let out a whack, whack. And as soon as he <laughs> made that noise, Mother Duck picked up and she started running down through the reeds to the creek. Something interesting happened in that moment. As she started running off to the reeds, the little ducklings who were all dotted around in different areas all started running behind her and they started lining up behind Mm -hmm. her as they went. And something really big dropped in for me in that particular moment. I realized I got one of my sayings completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Because I would say things like, I'll just wait for my ducks to line up, then I'll take that action. And what I realized in that moment was that Mother Duck didn't stand there and say, danger, danger, okay, little ducklings, everybody get in a line before we take action. Everyone Mm. lining up, ready, 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 okay, now let's go. No, Mother Duck got into action and because she got in action, the little ducks started lining up behind her. So if you're starting out in business, the only thing you can do to be successful is be in action. Think about that 14-year-old. I knew nothing about wholesaling and about storing and, dude, I've got no money and I need you to store it for. I knew nothing. And but I, I took the action and with car. action comes certainty. And it just so happened that everything lined up behind me. Yeah. And, I go into, and this is another reason why I don't do business plans. And I consult to multinational corporations and we don't do business plans. We only do the business plan because the board of directors want to see it. Mm. And, you know, after 10 years of coaching and over 2,000, I've seen thousands and thousands of business plans. I've never seen one play out as it was planned ever. No. No no. exceptions to that rule. So I don't do business plans. We go, if you're in small or micro business or you're in startup, just jump in, test the water two feet at once and do. And the action that you take will force the ducks to line up behind you. Don't wait for things to line up for you. Oh, that's such a good piece of advice. Mm. Well, Kamal, God, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That was so good. I enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it and I hope the listeners did too. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, Sarah, congratulations on all of your successes and what you're doing with West of the Waves with the podcast and uh, really excited to be be a part of this next adventure with you, helping helping these people start up their e-com businesses. So congratulations on how far you've come already too. Thank you very much. Alrighty, so that was a lovely chat with Kamal. I might have to book a line, book online, and get some tips off you. Yes, you probably could do with some tips from me. I try. I to think start. I get tips enough. <laughs> I try. I try to share my knowledge with you, but sometimes you couldn't care less. So um, there we go. Today's a wrap-up snap quiz. Yes, Brian. Can anyone be a coach? Ooh. No. Correct. That's, that is correct. <laughs> I didn't know I was on a game show. No, uh, that, no, no it, is, it is a game show. I think, you know, rounding back to your acronym previously, I do think you need to have, um, you know, be a subject matter expert. I think you need to have some learned skill. You need to know your topic well enough that you can then teach it to somebody else. So, And also you need to have good communication skills. That's correct. Because there's some people out there in the world that are quite knowledgeable, but their delivery techniques are questionable. That is correct. So, you've got to be a sort of a person that can get along with a lot of other personalities. 
Well, I don't know that you need to always be able to get along with them. I mean, yes, it's good to be able to get along with people. But I think in a coaching space, you also need to be able to hold people accountable because sometimes if something becomes a little hard or a little challenging, then people might back away from the challenge when realistically they need to be held in that space Mm -hmm. and helped through the challenge because if they're avoiding something – in their business or then the chances are that they're repeating that behavior in loads of different places around their life. And if they want to be able to move forward with their business, then they need to be supported through that. So, you might need to have some challenging conversations along the way as well. You've got to be able to have the tough conversation is what they call it. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yourself and I are both have the ability to be coaches. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) being the student for two seconds there sarah yes how do you handle the tough conversations well i think that my uh, mining career has stood me in good stead for that space because for the last you know I don't even know how long it's been now that I've been working in that space. We'll say 15 years. I think it's been about 18. But I have been a female in a management role in a heavily male-dominated industry. So, I had to hone my skills on how to have difficult conversations in a way that was in line with my values and my personality. I had to learn that um, quite a long time ago and it's something – that I'm really appreciative of, I guess, for learning because, you know, it's extremely valuable to me now. I can mm-hmm. have a conversation with someone that is quite tough and helps them through a situation without getting angry or bossy or, you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I suppose one thing that I was thinking is, is listening to the tough conversation or or the coach giving you some harsh feedback. Yeah. That's what you're there for. Yeah. You're you're there to get better. Absolutely. And a coach, realistically, um, you know, they can be a fairly significant investment, um, but that's what you're paying them for. If you've gotten to the point where you want to expand your business and you need to have a coach um, or you'd like to get some coaching, then you don't want that person to be like, oh, yeah, everything's amazing, everything's looking fantastic because you're not really getting your value Mm -hmm. Um, and a good coach should add more value to your business than the cost of the coaching, if that makes sense. 100%. So, the the time-saving tips and the um, processes and, you know, all of that sort of knowledge that they are able to impart on you should realistically add more value um, and bring more business to your business than the cost of the coach in the first place. Yeah, 100%. That's what it's for. It's to build your revenue streams, give you other options on how to make you more appealing to the wider community. And I think that you'll find that most coaches have coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a level that you get to uh, when you don't need one. Yeah, 100%. I... um, I, I look at it as a mentor. I um yeah. I constantly go and ask people in different positions at my work 
But billion, billionaires and, and, you know, millionaires and billionaires I've had a couple come coaches. and talk to me, yeah. But, oh, you've had a couple of millionaires come and talk well, to you? <laughs> not millionaires, but billionaires. Yeah, they have coaches. They have coaches. It's when you get to a point where you realise you could get there on your own, but- You could get further. You could get further if you saved some time up front and were able to gain those knowledge and skills, you would get to a goal quicker- yeah. And then you would be able to go on to the next goal. That's right. And and sometimes you're just bouncing an idea around. Sometimes you're just throwing that little bit of a, a brainstorm in there and yeah. you just get to that next little And win. sometimes as business owners as well, you know, like you and I experience this where I just love my business. I love everything that I'm doing and I would talk about it 24-7. And sometimes you are like, shut up. <laughs> enough so it is actually really good to have that person in your life that you can talk all things business and they can you know give you tips and tricks and you can really bounce ideas off because then you're not chewing your husband's ear off 24 7 well thanks uh, for that sarah it's been a great wrap up snap quiz it has been it has been thank you everyone for tuning in i hope you've really enjoyed this uh chat today and got some serious value out of our conversation with kamal uh as always if you've got any questions any feedback jump into our instagram send us a dm uh comment like share and we will see you next week. Yeah, and if you want any other coaching advice, I don't really know what I can offer, but I'm always here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to All Things Small Biz. You can get more tips and find out about all the latest stuff we've got going on at the All Things Small Biz Instagram page. We'd love you to follow us. Or you can jump onto the website, www.allthingsmallbizpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.